0: This message is brought to you by Desiring God. For more information, please visit desiringgod.org. Let's pray. Tonight, Lord, we want you to perform this word concerning peace and concerning joy and concerning faith which it was your intention to give to your followers the night before you died for us. So stand forth now by your word and create your peace, your joy, your faith in those who hear. I ask for this miracle by the Spirit through your word now Because of Christ. In His name. Amen. It is one of the most amazing and one of the most wonderful, and I think one of the sweetest things in all the Bible that in the hours just before Jesus was to be killed, He had set His mind and His heart and His words to build faith and to build joy and to build faith into the lives of his followers. Let's think of it. We're just hours before he knew he would not only die, but be tortured with one of the Worst devices of torture that has ever been conceived for hours. And his mind was on them. I want you to have peace. I want you to rejoice. I want you to have faith. That's amazing. I try to put myself in, in his shoes. Or I'll ask you, tomorrow you're going to be killed. All right? Tomorrow, Sunday. Or for those of us watching, Monday. You're going to be killed. And you're not only going to be killed, you're going to be tortured to death, and you don't know how long it's going to take or how horrible it will be. What would you be thinking about? I think I would be wrestling with my own peace. I think I'd be looking for my own joy. I think I'd be struggling with my own faith, not yours. Unless Christ had been so real to me and had come and so satisfied me that His peace and His joy and His faith was so filling me that I was freed. Even in that kind of hour, to think about you what a miracle we have an amazing savior so peace joy and faith are his burden let me just point those out verse 27 peace John 14 we're all together John 14 verse 27 peace I leave with you my peace I give to you Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Now, joy, verse 28, middle of the verse, if you loved me, you would have rejoiced because I'm going to the Father and the Father is greater than I. And now, faith, verse 29, and now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. Peace, joy, believing, faith. That's what he's aiming at before he suffers. He's just looking at them and saying, I want you to have peace. I don't want you to be troubled. I don't want you to be shaken. I don't want you to be anxious. I don't want the the waters of your life to be tormented. I want you to rejoice that I go to the Father. I want you to trust in all that I'm doing for you now and all that the Father's going to do. I want you to trust me, trust my work, trust my word. Isn't that amazing? He's the one that's about to be torn to shreds, and He wants them to have peace. Now, suppose it comes into your mind at this point, and it does come into the mind of people. They, they write blogs and articles and books. Suppose it comes into your mind that, well, a focus on personal peace and personal joy and personal faith is pretty subjective and emotional and individualistic and socially and culturally and politically lame. Disconnected from the great public systemic global crises and injustices and calamities of our time. Suppose that thought came into your mind. Personal peace and Happiness and trust when the world is what it is. Well, here's my response to that pick your crisis, pick your injustice, um, poverty, with all of its internal causes and all of its external causes. The devastation of, of addictions in our culture. Drugs, crime, like that. Or white-collar corruption. Ponzi schemes and embezzling and, and nepotism and money laundering and planned obsolescence and redlining and insider stock movements and bribery. Or, or, or pick an ethnic strife like that. Matthew Jott just told me this week that a few weeks ago in Myanmar, the Burmese army went into a restaurant where there were a dozen women eating and asked them all to identify themselves. And there was one Kachin woman and a Christian that they shot her on the spot. Or Nigerian Isl- Muslims against Nigerian Christians. Or the, the horrors in recent weeks in Syria. So pick your injustice, pick your pain, and then I have a question for you. Where does that come from? Where do those impulses come from? I'll tell you where they come from. They come from hearts devoid of the peace of Jesus Christ. They come from hearts devoid of the joy of Jesus Christ. They come from hearts devoid of trusting in the promises and the word and the work of Jesus Christ. That's where they come from. All of them. So, before I get to the so-called practical, relevant, socially urgent topic of homosexuality next week, I know beyond the shadow of a doubt that today's message and every message from God's Word is radically political. Radically social, and radically global, and it is far more deeply pervasive and enduring and transformative than if I considered such things as personal peace and personal joy and personal trust as lame. Or feeble. They're not feeble, they're volcanic. They are the roots of a new world order. Now, someday, <clears throat> Jesus is going to split the heavens show up, pull all the weeds out, throw them into fire, and bring that new world order to full flower through peace and joy and trust in its completion. In the meantime, I would plead with you Open your eyes and open your mind and open your heart to see and receive what Jesus is doing on this night. It's not lame. So let's step the stage with verses 25 and 26. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper... The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in My name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Jesus, in those two verses, is answering the question, how shall there now be foundational documents for the church, like the Old Testament had its foundational documents, how shall there now be foundational, enduring, over hundreds of years, documents that are rock solid, reliable for us to stand on. How can that be? He's going away. He won't be talking anymore. It's His Word that's been the key to everything. We don't understand anything unless Jesus talks to us and explains things to us and he's leaving and we don't, we're not there yet. We're asking stupid questions even tonight. What are we going to do? You expect us to lead a world movement and build a church and we, don't make, we can't even understand what, what's happening tonight. And his answer is I'm not going to leave you without help. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. He's coming in my name. And when he comes, I understand you don't have any video recorders and you don't have any stenographers. Nobody's sitting there pen and pad at the Lord's Supper. And you don't have any tape machines or iPhones, little record buttons. I understand that. And I'm going to come by the Spirit and I'm going to cause you to remember everything you need to remember that I want the church to know. And I'm going to teach you the meaning of all those things so that you can give a true rendering of what you remember. That's what I'm going to do. So here's, this is massive, I'm going to linger on this for a minute. This is all stage setting for peace, joy and love. Jesus is doing here for the New Testament what Paul did in 2 Timothy 3.16 for the Old Testament. Remember that very famous verse? All Scripture, and we know in the context it's Old Testament Scripture. New Testament hasn't been written yet. So all the writings, all the Old Testament... "...is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for correction, for reproof, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be fully equipped, trained for every good work." So this massive apostolic statement saying just what Jesus said about the Old Testament, it's God-breathed, that's why we can stand on it, that's why it has endured, that's why the Jewish people have become the, the seed for Christ... Now, Jesus reckons with the problem. This is a new day. This is a new age. This is a new people. This is new. The Old Testament won't suffice. It's true. It's a great place to stand. We love it, but we need something more for the church. All about you, Jesus, and all about what you have done and are doing and will do. And he said, I've got that covered. And that's what this verse is. Verse 26 In my name, God the Father will send the Holy Spirit. He will bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. And he will teach you all things. So those two things, memory and teaching. And by the way, if he's going to bring something to memory, it means they had to have seen it and experienced it. He didn't say, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit and give you a rich creativity. I have chosen apostles. I have spoken into them. I have done things in front of them. That's what I'm going to show you. I'm going to bring that back to you. And as I bring it back to you, I'm going to teach you everything. And What everything means there is not quantum physics. Everything you need to know to make sense out of this for the church. I won't let anything be lacking in your mind as you write your authoritative letters and gospels for my church. I won't let anything be lacking that my church needs to be what I call them to be. So, Jesus is doing for the New Testament in John 14, 26, what Paul did for the Old Testament. In 2 Timothy 3.16, Paul testified about the inspiration of the Old Testament. Jesus is promising the inspiration of the New Testament. And just for a little confirmation here, this is the self-consciousness of the apostles later. Let me read you Paul. Listen to the way Paul thinks about himself as a spokesman for the risen Christ in the church. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 and 13 Now we have received not the Spirit of the world but the Spirit of who is from God. So Jesus did what He said He was going to do. He's going to send the Holy Spirit in His name. We have received Him that we might understand. He's teaching us. The things freely given to us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit. It's amazing. We now have two parts of our book. and The first part was inspired for its day in all of its particularities. And the second part was inspired for our day in particular in all of its particularity. And we have a great God-given book. And that's a great foundation that He is laying here. So the Father, let's sum it up now. The Father will send the Holy Spirit. He will bring to your memory what? The church needs to know about the historical realities of my teaching and my miracles and my death and my resurrection and my appearances and the foundation of my church by the Holy Spirit. I'm going to bring all that to your members so so that John, writing decades later, is filled with the Holy Spirit and getting things right. And I am going to teach you all the things you need as you put together the pieces of your memory for the sake of of the church. And so now the stage is set and years later John is remembering as he writes the Gospel of John and he's teaching, he's being taught by the Holy Spirit as he writes the Gospel of John. There's inspired memory, inspired teaching and he's devoting it in order that you might have peace and joy and faith. That's why the deposit was left. This wasn't just for the followers that night. So, Bethlehem, be amazed that you have a Bible. Be amazed that you have the Word of God. Be stunned. Get up in the morning and hold this and weep for joy. Just be amazed that God has spoken. And then open it and be expectant that the same Spirit who came and brought to memory and taught so that the words are inspired will now make them illumined for you. He won't leave you dense and stupid and blind. Not if you call out and say, oh God, I love your word. Open my eyes that I may see wonders out of your word it is amazing that we have such a book stage is set focus now with me on 27 to 31 he put his peace he put his joy and he put his faith in his followers that night and I want to go backward because the end of the text is where he goes to do the foundation of everything. So we'll start with foundation and then work ourselves up through faith and joy and peace. That's the way we're going to go. We're going to go backwards in the text. So let's start with the foundation in verses 30 and 31. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. That's Satan. He has no claim on me. But I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise. Let us go from here. They had been in the upper room until now. Lord's Supper had been over. Foot washing over. A couple of chapters of teaching in the Lord's room, the upper room. And now he says, let's go and when he says let's go he means Gethsemane where I plan to be arrested and taken to execution let's go so now he puts this going in the light that he wants them to see for their faith there's something he wants them to believe about this and trust about this wants to banish some wrong understandings about what's happening and and get the right understanding. So, middle of verse 30, he wants them to know the devil is real, he's active, and in a crucial sense, powerless. So, read this carefully. The ruler, you with me in the middle of verse 30? The ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me. So, Satan has entered Judas. We know this from Luke 22.3. Judas is on his way. Satan is on his way. He's coming. That is not why I am going to the cross. This is what he wants to straighten out for them. Satan tonight is not decisive. Why not? Verse 30 at the end. He has no claim on me. What does that mean? Literally, he has nothing in me. He has nothing in me. He has nothing in me to accuse. He's the great accuser. And he's groping and looking and he can't find anything in Jesus to accuse. There is no little, little whimper of a sin to hook. That's what he does with you. Sinful thought, hook. Sinful feeling, hook. Satan has no power over a sinless man. None. None. Oh, I'd love to pause here and talk about union with Christ and justification by faith alone. Right? Are you with me? Is this bubbling inside of you? I'm sinless. You're sinless. We're sinless. But better not go there. That's another sermon. I hope you can go there. That in union with the sinless one, we are safe. We just sang a song. Sorry, those of you who didn't sing this song. Hidden in the hollow of his faithful hand. Never foe can follow. Never traitor stand. I'm thinking yes. So that night, the reason why he was arrested and went to the cross was not Satan. Not at the bottom. Well, why was he arrested? This is what he wants them to understand. And us. He tells us really plainly. Why did he get arrested? Why does he die? Verse 30, at the end, Satan has nothing in me. He can't hook me. He can't control me. He can't find a chink in my armor of righteousness. But... Here's the truth. I'm going by obedience to my Father. That's why I'm getting arrested. This isn't demonic coercion. This is divine compliance with the will of Almighty God to save sinners. And He wants you to know this so that you can trust Him. This is all about him choosing to die, choosing to get arrested, choosing to be obedient to the Father. Satan, you think you're running this show? You don't run this show. You are a lackey getting me where I mean to be. So, Satan is not the explanation for Calvary. Obedience is the explanation for Calvary. I do as my Father has commanded me. Rise! Let us go! Who's in charge? Nobody takes my life from me. I lay it down of my own accord. And if I lay it down, I'll take it up again. So, Satan... Do as you're told. I want you to know, he's saying to his disciples, I want you to know that demonic betrayals and demonic denials and demonic lying is not ruling this night. Love is ruling this night. You see that in verse 31? So that the world may know that I love the Father. I'm not controlled by lies at the court. I'm controlled by loving my Father. Love is controlling tonight. My love for the Father is totally in charge. Divine love between the Father and the Son are in charge tonight. The roots of the cross reach back before creation into the Godhead from all eternity where the Father and the Son have infinitely loved each other forever and ever and ever And that love between the Father and the Son, Jesus says, is why he's doing what he's doing. I want the world to see and know I love the Father. That's amazing. The deepest roots of our salvation is the Son's love for the Father. And the Father's love for the Son. Which existed for all eternity. Now, with that foundation in place, let's turn to faith and joy and peace. The foundation for all of them is that Satan is not sovereign. On the night of Jesus' death, love is sovereign. This is a death designed by love. We sang that as well. Love by death. I love to sing the truth. Faith. Faith. Now I have told this is verse 29. Now I told you before it takes place so that when it does take place you may believe. And he said this before, right? Chapter 13 verse 19. I'm telling you this, he's referring to Judas's betrayal this time. I'm telling you this now before it takes place so that when it does take place you may believe that I am he. So, in addition to suffering all that he suffers and doing all that he does, all of which is intended to awaken faith, he predicts it before it happens also to awaken faith. That's what he says. I'm telling you this, verse 29, before it takes place, so that when it does, you may believe. You see how he's helping us? I'm going to die for you. That should awaken your faith. I'm going to suffer willingly. That should awaken your faith. I'm going to... Tread on Satan's neck. That should awaken your faith. But I'll add to that. I'm going to tell you ahead of time everything that's happening so that you will be doubly blown away and have something to trust. He's just helping us. There are doubters in the midst. Thomas is there. Thomas is there. He's willing to give more than they need or some need. Listen to you who believe without having seen. But if you need to see Thomas, I'll give you my side. We have a Savior who goes the extra mile so many times in our lives. So he's working before he dies for their faith in his death. The point of prediction I mean, what's the point of prediction? Surely the point of prediction is who's in charge? I mean, if you if, you're, if before everything that happens to you, you tell people this is going to happen, this is going to happen, this is going to happen. They're going to start to get the impression, wow, you're incredible. You know, you either have a you know a hotline to the future, or I think you may be in charge of the future, <laughs> which is true. So here's the application for you: if, if in history's darkest hour the cross. If in history's darkest hour it was true that Satan and evil did not have the upper hand but God had the upper hand for your good then in your darkest hour that's true also. So add this to your arsenal of faith in Romans 8.28 On the night as the darkness closed in Jesus said, it's not in charge. My love is in charge. And as your darkness closes in, get in its face and say, you're not in charge. My God is in charge. Now, that leads us, doesn't it, to want to think about joy in that moment, peace in that moment. So let's move from trusting A sovereign God in the death of Jesus over Satan to joy. Verse 28. You heard me say to you, I am going away and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced. There's joy. You would have rejoiced. You should be rejoicing. Because I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. So there's an argument there, isn't there? There's an argument with some premises and the, some conclusions. So what's the argument? Here's the argument. Premise. The Father is greater than I. What does that mean? I think two things. One, During His incarnation, the Father is greater in glory and greater in exaltation. Because Jesus has humbled Himself, taken on human form to serve and to suffer. And in that season, the Father in His supreme, unadulterated glory was greater than Jesus. Here's the second meaning I think it has. From all eternity, the Father has been the one who begets the Son. Very hard for us to grasp this. An eternal begetting, no beginning. Jesus had no beginning. There never was when Jesus was not. That's heresy. It's called Arianism. And the church fought profoundly for a century to end that one. Jesus has always been, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And through Him, all things were made. But He was begotten. He was a Son. He was imaged. He is a radiance from an original. Which has always been radiating from the original with such fullness, he is of one nature with the original. This is heavy. This is the Trinity. This is a great and glorious reality. And there's nothing in this statement that the Father is greater that questions the deity of Jesus and his full divine quality of equal essence. So, the premise is the Father is greater than the Son. He is the one, according to Hebrews 1.3, has a radiance in the Son, and an, an exact imprint in the Son but he is the one who has the exact imprint. He is not the imprint. The Father is not the imprint. The Father is not the radiance. And since Jesus has that relationship to the Father, you should rejoice when he goes to the Father. You should be glad when he has a more immediate experience of intimacy with the Father as he moves back into his prior glory. We should be glad in the gladness of the Son in the Father. Does that make sense? Jesus is saying, I'm going to the Father I'm closing in on again in a fuller intimacy that I had from all eternity with a a union of glory that is my joy from all eternity. Would your joy not be in my joy in God the Father? If you loved me, you would have rejoiced that I am going to the Father. Which means our joy is not the joy that the world gives. He said it about peace explicitly. He means it about joy implicitly. Not as the world gives do I give to you joy. Oh how different is the foundation of your joy than the world's joy. Infinitely different. Because your joy is joy in the joy of the Son, in the Father. Your joy is being caught up into and participating in the joy that the Father has in the Son, and the Son has in the Father. I'm returning to my Father. I love my Father. I find satisfaction in my Father. I delight in my Father. I treasure my Father. This is a Vesuvius of joy that is closing now. Would you not partake? The world knows nothing of this. Nothing. Our joy has infinite roots. It is a participation in the very joy of God in God. And mark this. Remember, verse 31. God showed this love between the Father and the Son most clearly at the cross. Let's read verse 31. I do as the Father has commanded me So that the world may know that I love the Father. We see the love of the Son for the Father in the death of the Son for sinners so that they can participate in the love of the Son for the Father and the joy between the Son and the Father. That's the essence of salvation. To draw us out of all lesser joys and bring us into an experience of the very joy of the Son for the Father and the Father for the Son. There isn't a greater joy. There isn't a greater love than that. And I'm showing it to you now. I want the whole world to know this. I want the world to know that I love the Father. That's why I'm dying... Wouldn't you rejoice? For the joy set before me, I endure the cross. Hebrews 12.2 What joy? This joy. I love my Father. I'm going home. Wouldn't you rejoice with me in that? Yes, you would. If you understood, you would. That's why I'm teaching you all things, John, from these decades later. Here's the practical meaning of that. Go into bed tonight, okay? Here's what you do. As you get in bed, you say, Father, I praise you for the love that exists between you and your son Jesus. Let's praise you that you love each other. So, thankful that you've revealed to me the love between the Father and the Son in the Trinity, in the Godhead. I praise you for the joy that you have in each other. So I'm mentioning love and I'm mentioning joy. You love each other, you delight in each other and I praise you that you are that way. And I realize, because what Pastor John pointed out in verse 31, I realize that this love and this joy is the reason Jesus endured the cross. Because He said He wanted the whole world to know Him. But He loved the Father as He was dying. That's what He wants them to know. So I realized that this love between you and the Son c- carried Him through the cross for my sin. To bring me up out of my little tiny world of selfishness and groveling around in this world trying to find some satisfaction. You did that for me and therefore my forgiveness, my righteousness... My life utterly depends on this love between you and your, your son, Father. And I am glad. I am glad in your gladness in Jesus and his in you. And I thank you for giving me a taste of it. Amen. Good night, Jesus. See you in the morning while I go totally unconscious like a little helpless baby all night long. And you can be God for me. Finally, peace. We've talked about faith, we've talked about joy, and now we're talking about peace. Verse 27 Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. So, in the last hour of his life, he's helping you not be anxious let not your heart be troubled. The peace he has in mind might include, you know, global, national, political, intra-ethnic, inter-ethnic peace. It might. It's It's not at the front of his mind though and I know it isn't because of what he says. He says, peace I live with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give you. Let not your hearts Be troubled. That's what he has in mind. Of course, there are a thousand fruits. This is the root of a new world order. But on his mind is, you look troubled. Your faces look troubled. I love you. I don't like it when you look that way. (laughs) I don't want to leave you that way. It's that simple. It's that precious. It's that personal. It is. He says, heart. Heart. Don't let your heart, not your globe... Don't let your heart be troubled; neither let it be afraid. I want you to be fearless, Peter. I want you to be a rock, not as the world gives to you. How does the world give peace? It does. It does. The world gives peace with retirement accounts. The world gives peace with health insurance. The world gives peace with bomb shelters. The world gives peace with safety nets in the society. The world gives peace with police. The world gives peace of mind in a hundred ways, which I'm thankful for. I'm glad they exist. And he says, I'm not giving that way. I'm just not, that's not what I'm doing. What, What do you mean, Jesus? You're not you're not doing it that way. What, what do you mean? I'm, I'm not giving you the kind of peace that can be taken away when the police go away. I'm not giving you the kind of peace that can be taken away in India, no matter what. I'm not giving... That is not what I'm about. Now, how do I know that he means that? that? That the world's peace of mind is circumstantially based. Right? Get enough health insurance. Get enough retirement account. Live in the right neighborhood, get the right locks on your doors, and, uh, and then have some peace of mind. And, and that's not what I'm giving you. Not as the world gives to you do I give to you. I'm giving you peace so that when the locks come off, the police go away, the mob comes, and your cross is on the horizon, you've still got it. So now how do I know that? I know it because in chapter 16 verse 33, he says the same thing only he makes it explicit. Chapter 16 verse 33 the text I used at Tom Stellar's wedding 35 years ago. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. That is, take heart in that tribulation. I have overcome the world. The peace that Jesus gives is not circumstantially based. It is peace in bad circumstances, in tribulation, in no health insurance, and in police breakdown, and societal breakdown. It's in these things where our peace, the peace that passes all human comprehension. Now, why did Paul call it that? That's, that's Philippians 4.7. Peace that passes understanding. What, what does that mean? That means human beings can't grasp it and they can't make it happen. God makes it happen. Now, does He give us any clue as to how? Yes, He does. He calls it my peace. Peace I live with you. My peace I give to you. I gave you my joy. My joy meaning I love the Father. I delight in the Father. The Father loves me. Come on in and have our love, our joy. Same thing here. I have a peace with the Father that is unrivaled, Jesus says. My peace is unrivaled in the universe. Would you like some of mine? Come on in. How how do you get in? How do you get into the peace that Jesus enjoys with the Father? There's no sin between the Son and the Father. The Son looks on the Father and he sees... Infinite original righteousness. The Father looks on the Son and says, infinite reflected righteousness. And oh, they love each other infinitely. They delight in what they see. How are you going to get in on that? Because, he says, let us go. I'm going to the cross tomorrow. And what I'm going to do at the cross tomorrow is I'm going to purchase your forgiveness. I'm going to satisfy the Father's wrath against all your unrighteousness. And I'm going to... Provide a completed righteousness so that if you would rest in me, trust me, you will now not just have a peace that I make, but a peace that I have with my Father. I'm making a way for you in, in to the very experience by the Spirit reigning in your heart, pouring out the peace that exists between the Father and the Son. I'm going to pour it out into your life so that now you will have my faith and my joy and my peace. I tell you, Bethlehem, we have a great Savior and a great salvation. Closing exhortation. Right now, right now, in every service, receive Jesus' faith. Jesus was totally confident in His Father, in His cross work, that Satan would be defeated and all His saving work would be accomplished. And He invites you, I'm showing these things to you so that you can believe with Me. And receive His joy. His joy. And He displayed His joy most fully by enduring the cross to show the world, I love the Father that much. I'm satisfied that much in the Father. And you can come on in to this infinite, this Vesuvius, this volcanic love between the Son and the Father. Come on in. Receive this Bethlehem. Spend spend the rest of your life swimming in this ocean. If this sounds Unusual to you. Like, you've never even heard anybody talk about inviting you into the very love that the son has for the father, the joy between them, the peace between them. Just enjoy the next 30 years of discovery. It's very deep. It's worthy of all your life. Don't, don't walk out here saying, oh, that's heavy. They do heavy stuff in Bethlehem. Blah, blah, blah. We don't do heavy stuff. We swim. We just frolic in mystery. Talk about it a little bit. Nobody knows anything. You know what I mean. Comparatively. And receive His peace. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Don't let your heart be troubled, Bethlehem. Don't let it be afraid. Trust him. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you for Christ. a love Christ. I love salvation. I love the gospels. I love your word. These things I have spoken to you that my joy might be in you and that your joy might be full. We could have gone there. The riches of this is, are endless. The heights are out of sight and we'll never get to the top of it. The depths are bottomless and we'll never get to the bottom of it. We will spend eternity walking in the fields of glory. So, get us started and give us such satisfaction in our communion with you that we would cry out, give me a thousand tongues to sing your praise. Give me a thousand tongues to tell of your greatness in this world. Make me part of the roots of a new world. Order. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. Feel free to copy and distribute this message to others, but please do not charge for the content or alter it in any way. For more resources, go to desiringgod.org.